Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Michael. And I'm Shane. Welcome to episode 67, Super Brawl 2. Best friends. Now, bitter rivals. Brawl for it all. Is this, this is a, a whole show of shoot fights. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I don't want that. Only WWE could get away with that. I don't know if they... I mean, they, unfortunately, they got away with it, but... It wasn't good. <laughs> no. It's really sad. And we... Anything is possible on Leap Day. <laughs> it is on Leap Day because this show would take place on February 29th, 1992. The Miller the High Life Arena. The champagne of beers... Uh, Ginger ale of arenas. The... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that. I was going to say, like, the, the, the Hilton of arenas, maybe? I don't know. I was trying to figure it out, but I think ginger ale's fun. I like that. From Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this would be the second Super Brawl produced by WCW. Obviously, since it's Super Brawl 2. Mm-hmm. Makes sense there. What about 1.5? <laughs> it was out in the parking lot. <laughs> okay, yeah. The attendance for the show was 5,000 people. That's kind of tiny. How big, so how big is the High Life Arena? It looked pretty full. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. So I'm thinking that it's just a small venue. Yeah. That's just weird that they would run something that small for what's probably considered one of their biggest pay-per-views of the year. I mean, honestly, if if it's between a sellout, a sellout at five or a, a a venue that holds 12 and only getting six or seven, like... What's that's more, true. what's more, what's going to make them more money? Because the building's going to, that is the true. bigger building's going to cost a lot more. I agree. So maybe they're just finally realizing it's going to look better if it looks like there's people there. Yeah. Yep. Hey, you know, a lot of times a better show is one you have to turn some people away from. So if you can max out a five thousand capacity arena, it's, yeah, it's you maybe arena. get that bigger buy rate. Yeah, it looks better on camera too. Other things that were happening around Leap Day of 1992, My Cousin Vinny would be released a couple weeks later. The movie rules. I watched it for the first time a few months ago, and what's wild about it is it's a pretty like run-of-the-mill like whatever movie, but it doesn't feel like anybody should have won an Oscar for it, except for you know Marissa Tomei just killing it. But like, yeah, Joe Pesci is great there, but she is the glue. The glue that makes the movie like as watchable and as good because it's just like a, it feels like a run of the mill comedy. Yeah. You watch and you're like, oh yeah, that was fine. Like if I could go back, I'd want to change it to my cousin Benny's girlfriend. Uh huh. I mean, it is the movie is <laughs> all about Marissa Tomei. Not that Joe Pesci sucks. Joe Pesci rules. We love him. Uh, but they're just the combination of those two. It's, Agreed. It's so good. And everyone just still has a crush on Marissa Tomei to, to yeah. this day. Definitely. Agreed. Who and knew Aunt May was going to be such a cutie in 2018 or 19, whatever that first Spider-Man movie was? Shit, I could have told you that back in the 80s when she was on As the World Turns. Well, yeah, but I'm saying that I didn't know like <laughs> that it was that, who that she would ever play, that Marissa Tomei would ever play. She's definitely the Aunt May, the hottest Aunt May ever. 
I mean, I don't know. Everyone else has basically been uh, Betty White or drawn as Betty White. <laughs> you had... Oh, Sally Field. Sally Field's Sally been Field in, played in, uh, other... in, the, in the Andrew Garfield, Garfield one. ones. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You were saying Aunt May. I was thinking Superman's aunt. Lois. No, not Lois, but his aunt or mom or whoever it was. Who played his mom in the... Why can't I think of her name? In what, like the the Superman or the Michael Shannon one? Yeah, yeah with like Man of Kevin Steel? Costner was his. Oh yeah, God, that movie Diane sucked. Keaton, Diane Lane, Diane Lane. There we go. That movie like, stinks. Yes, it does. Uh, hey, now I feel better. You, you just leave my my old Henry Cavill or how? Oh yeah, his name Henry, Henry the... Cavill's cool. Yeah, the movie itself. was Superman's. Great, but... I like Superman. I just don't like those movies. Throw me a, a, a beardy Henry Cavill and I'm happy. You would, but how do you feel I about have, him I with... I've uh, never with found the... a Henry Cavill movie to be entertaining. No, with... it's not so. It's not usually entertaining. It's just... He's got a good face. Some of us just enjoy watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the erased mustache. <laughs> Release the Snyder Cut. <laughs> are they actually doing that? I yeah, think. they are. That's wild. And the number one song on the charts was Mr. Biggs... To be with you. The only Mr. Big song that anyone knows. And everybody likes it. I don't think I know anybody that just like shits on it hard. Everyone's probably like, what is that song right now? But as soon as you go to listen to yeah. it. The music video is beautifully cringy. Yes. yes. I, I enjoyed the song back in the day, but I enjoyed Mr. Big about as much as I enjoyed Mr. Big on Sex and the City, which wasn't really that much at all because... When you call yourself Mr. Big, you're just, you know, it's like announcing that you're going to have the best match ever where you set yourself up for easy failure. <laughs> so Mr. Big's To Be With You is the Orton Edge of the music charts? <laughs> uh, in 1992, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I was a kid. I would always, like, spend any money that I had at, like, the used CD store. And I'd always be, I'd go there, like, every week. So I'd see the stuff who sat there for a long time yeah. and the like Mr. Big there was like you know always 12 copies of that CD as well as Extreme was another one that always had like 12 copies of the same record I don't know the Extreme song but more than words. somebody out there oh is it more than words oh yeah okay god those songs are that what they should have done is release a single split the money A-side, each band A-side. has one song oh yeah and then, then they yeah, tour they've, they've got that for some sort of Hair bands of the 90s, <laughs> um, yeah. power ballads or something like that. Oh man, I miss those infomercials. Let's head off to the show. We get a hype video showing participants in the title matches we will have throughout the evening before the logo comes onto the screen. Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff welcome us to the show and continue to hype those title matches. We then go to Missy Hyatt in the back and she says she is going to be the most exciting part of the night while she's getting interviews. Yeah, Missy's <laughs> our new Bischoff, and Bischoff is... Our new Tony. Our new Tony. And Tony is still Tony. And Tony is still Tony, but there's somebody to add to this team. But just to go back to Missy for a second, <laughs> if she's the most exciting part of this night, we're in for a very long yeah. night. Oh, I think she's fun here. She's got those big blue eyes. She's wearing this cool gold dress. I mean, she's not great at her job but at least she has a nice face 
Yeah, yeah, that's what we'll go with. Okay, I mean, yeah. I did notice that Tony actually looks good here, which is very rare that Tony looks good at all. And that's saying a lot, considering he's sitting next to Eric Bischoff. Who's the Barbie. Yeah. The Ken Dog, too. Yeah, yeah, he's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess Missy High is our Barbie. Yeah, exactly. And Jim JR Ro- Jim Ross bought the Barbie for his kid. Is in the ring and welcomes his newest broadcasting partner. <gasps> Jesse, the body Ventura. I popped for this. Rides down the rampway on a motorcycle. I did too. I was not expecting old Mr. Jesse Body Ventura to appear. So. Me neither. And we, Bonus. I mean, if you've listened to this show, you know I love Jesse. You are a big Ventura fan. Uh, also, there is a sign in the crowd that says so Jesse. Someone knew. That says Jesse for Prez. <laughs> and I kind of shit, shit my pants a little bit about it. I was like, oh my God. Ventura joins JR in the ring, shills for Harley Davidson a little bit, and then is asked for a prediction for the main event, which he talks a lot about, but never actually gives an actual prediction. I mean, it's Jesse Ventura, right? Like, what's he going to, is he, maybe this is his turn to be the face, and JR will go full heel. I don't know, I love Jesse, but this was some horny, awkward Mm. commentary or interaction, just kind of a bad The best line, best line is like, JR, you should put a cowboy hat on. Ah, yes, I bought for that. I got that through my whole notes. I'm like, okay, well, this is like this this is why JR wears a cowboy hat, right? It has to be. It has to be. Because it goes Ventura, Ventura gave him some gave him some advice. Yeah. He goes on like he, he ribs him like the whole show about a cowboy hat. We then head off to our first match. Flying Brian Pillman versus Jushin Thunder Liger. For the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I thought last week's show was going to have some uh, some bragging rights for best opening match I've had in a while, but they're uh, coming out swinging with this little combination here for match number one. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Super Brawl is already looking up. I've seen Pillman Ligers before, but I haven't seen I hadn't seen this one, and yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, that's that's the it's a uh, match made in heaven. The great thing about this these show two guys is, came on. Did you pop? Yeah, of course I did. When I was like, I was like, oh yeah, love Pillman, love Liger. The only other person in this company right now I want to see against Liger is Z-Man, and I prefer Pillman, so we're good. <laughs> match gets going with arm work from both to get it started before Pillman gets to running the ropes. Liger with the leapfrog, Pillman with the leapfrog, and both men attempt a drop kick, but neither connect. Flying Brian takes down Juson with a head scissors and a drop kick that sends him out to the floor, but then follows out with a baseball slide to send Liger into the guardrail. Jesse coming in with a weird Liger predator oh, face yeah. mask comparison. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, Jesse has to get himself over immediately, and it's like, like Liger reminds me of the time where I had to, where I took down the predator in '87. Jesse, you did not take down the predator. I saw the movie. <laughs> Back in the ring, the two start doing some mat wrestling with Pillman gaining control, sending Juson to the corner where he leapfrogs over a charging Brian and runs back to the opposite corner, climbing to the top rope to hit a moonsault for a two count. Come on. The matches are already better than most matches. Mm-hmm. Dropkick sends Pillman to the floor, looks to follow out, but fools us all by springboarding back to the center of the ring. Yeah, real uh, big dick energy from Liger here. Yeah. <laughs> and the crowd at this point just kind of like, goes, ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is that? Pillman's back in, locks on a sitting ab stretch, 
which he changes into a head scissors, but Liger escapes and attempts a surfboard, but Flying Brian makes it to the ropes to avoid it. Surfboard. That's what I said. <laughs> Jusen just takes him down to try again, but again Pillman avoids the move. Liger with a running drop kick into the corner tosses Brian to the ropes, who comes back with a crucifix pin attempt for a near fall. Now Pillman tosses Jushin to the ropes, goes for a body slam, but Liger floats over and takes Flying Brian down with a sunset flip pin attempt. Yeah, it's like a, a, a modified sunset flip. It's got some weird flair on it. I don't know how to describe it. But, I mean, you should watch this, whoever you are. Pillman with a back suplex. Irish whips Jushin, charging in with a flying knee. But, Luke, but Liger moves out of the way and starts working on Flying Brian's leg with leg whips, shin breakers, and locking on a figure four. The two men start slapping each other while in the submission hold until Pillman finally turns it over for all the pressure to be on Jushin. But they continue to roll to the ropes, so the hold is broken. Those slaps were awesome. <laughs> yeah. mm. you, you don't put a guy trained by Ric Flair in a figure four and not expect to see... Yeah, like him being in the figure four and then slapping. I do love a bit of a, a sidebar, but I love that the figure four is like not. It's everyone can use it. Yeah, yeah. it's like everybody can use it, but not everybody can the master ta- of it. Yeah, not everybody's a master, but not everybody can get a win with it. Like you can see it in the middle of a first match or a mid card match from somebody, as long as it doesn't finish the. As long as it's not the finishing move, yeah. and at the same time, as soon as anybody puts on a figure four, it piques your interest because of like what it is to the people that do use it. Liar continues working the leg with stomps, a half crab, The Flying Brian fights out to hit it in Siguri. Jushin tosses Pillman to the ropes and goes for a slam, but Brian reverses it into a head-scissors takedown, then charges at Liger, who back-body drops him over the ropes to the floor. And Flying Brian Pillman is a... Oh, wait, no, wrong show. Wrong show. I mean, over the top ropes, doesn't that mean it's over? Did both feet hit the floor? Did the ref see it? I mean, this is NWA rules, or is, is it how, WCW is rules? How or is, they, it, is that how they want to finish the match? I mean, it's, it's not. <laughs> I'm just saying. Jushin climbs to the top rope to hit a somersault splash out to the floor. Pillman makes his way back to the apron, where Liger tries for the suplex into the ring, but is blocked multiple times. So he tries to slam Brian's head into the turnbuckle, mm-hmm. and that is blocked and reversed as well, followed by a springboard clothesline from Pillman. It's, yeah. I, everybody needs to jump off of the top rope all the time. Like, not the turnbuckle. To the rope. Flying Brian's back out to the apron, and vertical suplexes Jushin out to the floor, comes off the top rope with a crossbody, before placing Liger on the guardrail. Goes back to the apron to jump off with a splash, but Jushin moves, and Pillman hits the guardrail hard. You would think that they would be, like, fined for suplexing somebody from the, like, apron to the floor in the first match. Be like, hey, like, how is anybody going to get over? Like, you have, <laughs> you are, you are fined and, and suspended for 30 days because you fucked up wrestling for everybody else <laughs> because that was, because that's too good. Liger rolls Brian back into the ring, goes to the top rope, coming off with an axe handle, but Pillman drop kicks him on the way down. Flying Brian then climbs to the top rope, coming off with a drop kick, but Jushin blocks it with a drop kick of his own. Both men attempt a spinning heel kick to knock them both back down, but Liger's up first to hit Pillman with a power slam for a two count. I love this thing of them just like, nobody can get 
a handle on like they're just basically like, trading moves but nobody's staying on top of it and they remind you of that with these the move that first happened in the match where they do the double drop kick and yeah. then here's a spin kick it's like oh we can have storytelling in a singles match in WCW without Ric Flair. Flying Brian tries for a suplex, but Jushin reverses the waist lock, hitting a bridging German suplex for a near fall. Liger sets Pillman up on the top rope looking for the superplex, but Flying Brian tosses Jushin off to the mat, comes off with a crossbody for the pin, and the no! Liger kicks out. Pillman tosses Jushin to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Liger to hit a powerbomb for a two count. Little man like that doing a powerbomb. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't expect it to be as, as impactful as it is, but that dude can... He pulled it out of nowhere, and... Liger's also pretty, like... In. He's pretty... He's kind of... Liger's kind of thick. Yeah. Look at those thighs. He's a short man, but there's, there's, a, there's some mass there. Jushin picks up Brian to hit a second powerbomb, but Pillman goes to reverse it into a hurricanrana, but it's botched a little bit. Can't win them all. A little funky. But when you do it all, you're going to miss one. So he only gets a two count. Liger now sends Flying Brian to the ropes and ducks his head, allowing Pillman to hit a DDT, makes the cover for the pin, but Jushin gets his arm on the ropes. So he gets it quick, too. The two men start running the ropes, ducking clotheslines from each other, then both go for crossbodies to collide in the middle of the ring. Flying Brian's up first, starts climbing to the top, but Liger falls onto the ropes, causing Pillman to crotch himself. Then Jushin climbs up to hit the superplex for the pin, and the no! Flying Brian kicks out. Liger goes up to the top, coming off with a flying headbutt, but Pillman moves. He then hooks the shoulders, Rolls him over and bridges backwards to cradle up Jushin for the pin and the win. Love the flash pin too. Come on and and, and uh, I botched that. Fucking beautiful. Yeah, there's a botch of the match. We'll botch yeah, the end. My God. Whatever. But yeah, I got excited about the flash pin. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, oh, like it wasn't. You gotta keep people honest, and sometimes you win without your finisher and that's good that's a good thing it's post-match the two men end up hugging shaking hands showing respect to each other yeah as Liger does quite often fucking beautiful match I want more I already yeah this, it's like this, uh, I, I would have taken a two out of three best of seven <laughs> just for this entire show match number two is Flying Brian versus Liger in a rematch yeah <laughs> this time okay cool yeah, yeah let's yeah, do yeah. it but really, we go back to Tony and Eric on the stage to recap the match. And Eric says that Pillman won it with the ground war. Oh, totally. <laughs> I, I was like, what? Like, he did some ground stuff early. Liger is the one that worked on the leg. I feel yeah. like Pillman did more. He did like a, like a waist lock, head scissor, like, versus, not head scissor, but like scissor lock thing early. I mean, he was on the ground when he rolled out of the way. <laughs> he rolled him up with a cool pin. Yeah. Like, sure. Okay. Good on you, Eric, knowing what a ground war is. I mean, to Eric's defense, Tony doesn't know any of the names of the moves either. <laughs> we then go to the back. Missy is there with the Taylor Made Man. The Taylor Made Man. And Hyatt asks him, There's a lot of animosity between you and Bagwell. And Terry says, I asked him to be my protege, and I was going to teach him how to be a winner. 
But tonight, I'm going to teach him to be a loser. I mean, he was said he was going to teach him how to hang with pretty ladies, but I'm pretty sure Bagwell can figure that out on his own. He's pretty buff. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. But what is this tailor-made man help. business? Where's my York Foundation? York Foundation is no longer. I don't like Alas. it. I miss it. Terrence Already. Taylor is back to being... The tailor-made maid? Terry Taylor. He's tailor-made man. He's basically doing a million-dollar man rip-off gimmick. I know. I was just sad that the York Foundation's already gone. I mean, on the plus side, I won't have to say Richard Morton anymore. Because that just doesn't feel wrong. Or will you? Tailor-made and Don't fuck with me like that. (laughs) He looks good, though. I don't know. I I never was a, a fan of Terry Taylor's look over the years, but... This is, finally, this is my favorite look of yeah, this. He's yeah, finally yeah. come into one that I didn't dislike should have got him somewhere. Ter- the like the Terrence Taylor thing, but I also enjoyed the York Foundation as short as it was. But Taylor Made Man, it's cool. I just feels weird to call him anything that doesn't have two T's. <laughs> Gary Michael Competa then announces our guest announcer, the winner of the Super Bowl ring announcer contest, Barry Abrams. Good for you, Barry. Who's yeah. Barry Abrams? I love that he has a tux jacket on. Yes, and they with they, what looks to be boxing trunks. Yeah, yeah, they're like yeah, or like basketball shorts, shorts kind of thing. But like they do the thing where it's a close up. They do the it's WCW showing some personality. There's comedy here. Yeah, and they like do the thing, and he's doing the announcing, and they pull out, and he's got like the whole top suit half, and then the shorts, and I was like, huh. I mean, that's a choice. It was it was funny. Is this their answer to uh, Jameson? Yes, that is. It is their, like, it's Jameson's shin kick is, like, yeah. this joke is probably a little bit better than that because it's at least... I mean, I was already laughing at his... Face? Well, his face, his voice, trying to, <laughs> he to looks sound like, like a, an announcer. <laughs> yeah. And then as the camera backed it. up, my, my literal words I wrote down on here were, what the damn hell, because <laughs> it just... Yeah. It was kind of shocking, because like, <laughs> you don't expect that, that kind of goofiness from a WCW no. show. But they, he looks like, you know, an extra from, like, Revenge of the Nerds, or or the lead in a Revenge of the Nerds, like, straight-to-video ripoff. Oh, don't be knocking my Revenge of the Nerds. I mean, I love Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, he looks like he may have come from the backwoods of Wisconsin. He was from Syracuse University. Ooh! From the University of Syracuse, so... So he could really be from anywhere. Yeah. That's what they said. I think Barry Abrams <laughs> the plant. I don't think he won anything. I don't think so either. So we get our second match. Marcus Alexander Bagwell versus the Taylor Made Man. A little bit of a story. We kind of heard Taylor talk about it. But Taylor had slapped Bagwell after a match, ordering him to leave the ring so he could cut a promo. A couple weeks later, Marcus would turn down that offer of mentorship from Terry, which led to a brawl. Featuring an attack by Mr. Greg Valentine. That's right. Oh, yeah, they. I popped when they said that, too. I was like, oh, so Greg moved over real quick. Made the jump. The Royal Rumble was his last match for a while in WWF. We'll see him again. Yeah. That's why I didn't mention anything last this week. This is where Greg him. Valentine belongs anyway, honestly. He, should, he, he has the face of an NWA mid-card man <laughs> and the work rate... Of one as well. Exactly. This is where he belongs. <laughs> exactly. It's back and forth to start with a, until a hip toss by Bagwell. The two start shoving each other and arguing. A knee lift by Taylor tosses Marcus to the rampway, but Bagwell hits an atomic drop, an inverted atomic drop, and a clothesline to take Terry back into the ring. I love that combo of the double 
the the atomic double, dro- atomic, double drop. atomic drops. If only he was in the Royal Rumble of 92. Right. <laughs> I need my numbers to get back up. <laughs> Marcus then climbs to the top rope, hitting a crossbody for a two count. Taylor tosses Bagwell out to the floor, but Marcus immediately rolls back in to hit a shoulder block, which causes Taylor to bail to the rampway to regroup. We get some rooster chants. Fuck you, people. People are jerks. Such a horrible gimmick. Leave. leave. He's... He's trying he's a to new, move He's a on. new man, and it's been a while. He was already Terrence Taylor. Now he's tailor-made man. He's tailor-made and hella yeah. tan. Let the rooster die already, If he folks. just came over for the rooster, if he just came from the rooster, it's okay. Yeah. But don't be that guy. Terry, with a knee lift, goes for a vertical suplex, but Bagwell floats over and locks on a sleeper until Taylor makes it to the ropes. Before throwing Marcus through the ropes to the floor, following out to slam Bagwell's head into the guardrail. Back in the ring, a jawbreaker, gut-wrench powerbomb by Taylor for a two-count. Taylor continues the attack with a running clothesline into the corner, a knee drop, an Irish whip, but Taylor ducks his head, allowing Marcus to hit a sunset flip for a near fall. I just need somebody to just do, like, I guess you can't just chain, like, a gut-wrench suplex, like a German suplex, but I just wish you could. You can. They're called the Three Amigos. Mr. Eddie Guerrero does later in his career. Well, cut that. (laughs) (laughs) Terry comes back with a vertical suplex, comes off the top rope with a splash for a two count. Taylor sets up for the pile driver, but Bagwell reverses it into a back body drop, only for Terry to retaliate with a snapmare, a neck snap for a near fall. The two start throwing punches until Taylor grabs hold with a waist lock that Marcus reverses and hits the O'Connor roll for the pin and the win. And I don't give the last, like, three seconds of this match justice that... Or I give it more justice than what it actually deserves. Yeah, because the match is really good, but it ends clunky as hell. Yeah, it's very clunky. Because the rest of the match is really good. I think it's really good. It's really clean. There's, like, some big, heavy moves, and Bagwell looks really good. I don't know if the right guy went over here, though. Perry. <laughs> Young guy, go over. I mean, that's why he went over, because he's they're, they're building him. Yeah, they're, look, they're look, trying to build look him, at but they... He looks incredible. Give, give my boy Terry some... I mean, Taylor Main Band is kind of like our El Matador in WWF. Yeah. Oh, Makes yeah, everyone yeah. just look good. He's our, 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 Tito, our Tito. So post-match, Terry lays out Bagwell with the five arm and a DDT. I don't, it like is, it. I don't like it. It either. is the dumbest name. <laughs> yeah. We agree. I don't like it at all. We go to the back. Missy's outside Luger's locker room. And she says no one has seen him training for over a month now. And maybe it's because he's fulfilled all of his uh, contract dates. Sit at home and get paid. Race then walks up and Hyatt asks him what's going on. He says Lex is in the best shape of his life. And will still be world champion tomorrow. Okay, cool. So we're off to our third match. Cactus Jack versus Ron Simmons. What's the story behind this one? Mankind. So Cactus Jack... Oh, there is one, okay. There is, <laughs> okay. It's, it's kind of a convoluted story that made a, not a whole lot of sense. That Cactus Jack and Abby were actually feuding. feuding. Yeah, they've done So they've... Ron... Started tag teaming with Abby in oh. certain matches. I don't want to see that. And ends up 
leading into this match. So it, it like it was a convoluted yeah, way. Yeah. It made no sense. So I. I mean, everybody wants to see Ron Simmons, and some people want to see Cactus Jack. So the two start brawling early on until Simmons with an Irish whip, but charges into a big boot. And Ron Simmons' new look is that he wears a band, uh, like a headband. Yes. But he's not as good as Trent. It doesn't stay on. <laughs> uh, can I also just say, WCW music is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yes. Yeah. I mean, Simmons, is, yeah. Even like even Cactus Jack, they they all went on to have great theme music down the line. But these early '90s selections are. But here's the question: They may be dubbed. True. On the network, they That's might have been coming true. out to like their uh, to like song, current day songs. At this point, I think they were writing music, but it's all just generic music. So it it is bad music. Don't get me wrong. But it also might be. It might not be what was piped network, in. So yeah. it might not actually be what yeah, is playing. I mean, in the arena. some of it sounded like, you know, training video from Olive Garden <laughs> background music. Oh man. <laughs> Jack then charges at Ron on the ropes, but Simmons moves, and Cactus Jack gets hung up in the ropes by his neck. <laughs> oh yeah, this spot that old Mick Foley lost part of his ear on later in life, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, Ron Simmons legitimately goes up there and gets him out of it. Because <laughs> he's probably like, mm, I can't let this go on any longer. Like, I know well, how tight these ropes are. Ron Simmons is a black man, and there's a white man hanging in the ropes. <laughs> it's a bad look. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a better look than the other way around. That's, no, that's for damn true. sure. That's true. <laughs> Jack gets loose and looks to escape the match by going over a guardrail. But Ron catches up with him, slamming his head into that guardrail before rolling him back in. Cactus Jack then hits a headbutt to the bread basket, tosses Simmons to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Ron to hit a faceplant, a body slam, and a leg drop for a two count. Another Irish whip from Simmons and charges into a back elbow from Jack, who follows out with a clothesline. All of a sudden, we see Junkyard Dog all dressed up out in the crowd. J-Y-D. He's got like a suit on and like a white suit and a bow tie. Oh, yeah. Looking handsome as ever. Perfect, perfect attire for grabbing them cakes. Mm -hmm. Cactus Jack then you got to dress for the cakes that you want. (laughs) (laughs) Cactus Jack then hits a butterfly DDT and a leg drop for a near fall, before throwing Ron out to the floor, where he continues the attack with a head slam into a guardrail and a body slam. Jack then comes off the second rope with an elbow drop. Bang bang. Simmons makes his way back to the apron, but. Cactus Jack guillotines him across the top rope. Back in the ring, Ron begins to make his comeback, only to miss a dropkick when Jack holds onto the ropes. I like that Cactus Jack is like, okay, well, I can't super, I can't like superplex Ron Simmons to the floor. I can at least, you know, elbow him from the ring to the floor. Cactus Jack then locks on a chin lock, but Simmons escapes it with a back body drop before hitting a dropkick, going for the three-point stance spear. Insert football commentary. But Jack ducks it, <laughs> sending Ron flying out to the rampway. Cactus Jack follows out to the outside and charges at Simmons only to receive a spine buster. Ron drags Jack back into the ring, but Cactus Jack rakes the eyes to regain control, hits a running bulldog, goes up to the second rope, coming off with a crossbody. But Simmons catches him and reverses it into a power slam for the pin... And, and the win. win. The right man won, and JR 
not the funniest man on the planet, had this to say about Cactus Jack. That he's a valedictorian at Charles Manson High School. It's <laughs> a good line. Yeah, That's it's great. Good. It's real good. Oh, James, James, James. <laughs> it's good. It's good for him. Post-match, Jack attacks Ron, and Abdul the Butcher makes his way down to the ring to help. With his gimmick voodoo stick? Hitting Simmons over the head with that stick. You can see the stick, like, shake. Like, rubbery looking shake. All of a sudden, the crowd comes alive. (sighs) Off in the distance, you see Junkyard Dog starting to come down through the crowd. He lays out a security guard. Yeah, dude. Jumps the guardrail. Headbutts more security guards. Gets into the ring and clears it. Of Abby and Cactus Jack with headbutts and punches. While ripping off his shirt. Yeah. Also, Cactus... Or not Cactus Jack. I'm sorry. Rest in pa- peace, JYD. I apologize. He is wearing the like white suit and bow tie thing, but he's just wearing blue jeans. jeans. Yes. He's just wearing like blue jeans. It's really funny. And then he rips everything off, and he's in better shape than he... We've seen him in a while. Yeah. Like He looks pretty good. So who had the better look? Junkyard Dog or Barry Abrams? Can I plead the fifth and say Harley Race? <laughs> With the, the Harley Race has only ever owned one suit jacket in his life, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> Who wore better? <laughs> I mean, JYD is I mean, always going to get my vote. You, you wear a cummerbund with jeans. <laughs> it's get, a look. You get my vote. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to, for a minute there to figure out if it was a cummerbund or if it was a fanny pack, just because I couldn't fanny get packs a big time. Yeah. That could have been the, uh, the official... WCW kickstart to the uh, the wrestling fanny pack craze. It was just to hide their um, hypodermic needles. Although I don't decide JYD doesn't doesn't necessarily need them. No. Cakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Easier for grabbing them cakes. Put yep. them cakes in the front. <laughs> yeah, they're always accessible. <laughs> so we're off to our fourth match: Vinny Vegas and Richard Morton versus Van Hammer and Z-Man. Wait, are we back to Battle Bowl? Bad tag team matchups? <laughs> I mean, two of these guys are not like the other. Yeah. But two of them are the same. I can't go anymore from there. I mean, I yeah. <laughs> yes, but I don't want to bury the lead. Better than I expected. I'll agree with you on that one. Vinny Vegas, a.k.a. Kevin Nash. A.k.a. Oz. A.k.a. The Great and Powerful. Master Blaster, whichever one he was. Steel? I don't remember. We last saw him as Oz, as you mentioned, during Halloween Havoc 1991, which was episode 60. Jesse lets us know that Z-Man was a former Mr. Minnesota winner in bodybuilding, and then says, everyone knows there's no money in bodybuilding. Is there someone in the building that he might be throwing shade at? Possibly. Hammer gets in the ring, starts a We Will Rock You chant. (laughs) Van Hammer, is it just because beefy? It's because he's so cut? Is that why he's over? It's because he holds a guitar? So the long hair? Tannis Man in WCW? Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. like Ter- I'm. Terrence Taylor is. Uh, Terrence. Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor made and Hella Tan Man is yeah. neck and neck on the. Uh, but little... that being said, Van Hammer has come a ways in the like three matches we've seen, and he's definitely athletic. I will agree. We get started, Hammer hits a gorilla press slam of Morton to get us going. See, there you go. I mean, granted, it's it's Morton. He's got like 40 pounds on him. Vegas is then arm-dragged by Hammer. 
and the two big men start shoving each other, locking up with no one gaining an advantage. JR calls out the ring attire of Vinny. Michael and Ross agree on something here. Because you, you complained last week about, or two weeks ago, about Mr. Hughes wearing suspenders and pants. This is what Vegas is wearing. Yeah, I think Vegas is doing it because he is ashamed of his body standing next to Van Hammer. I just don't think that he wants to... Who wouldn't be? I mean, yeah, honestly. Like, Ricky Morton doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Ricky Morton's never given a shit. He's not a body guy. And Z-Man's got nothing to be afraid of. Z-Man has nothing to be afraid of. No. Yeah. Hammer has Vegas in the corner where the ref is trying to break them up. But Vinny with the eye poke and a clubbing forearm across the back gains control. Hammer's tossed to the ropes, ducks a back elbow, and Vegas goes for a leapfrog. The hammer runs right into the old snake eye. <laughs> a little botchy. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, a little yeah. botchy ball. Arm work by hammer, running the shoulder into multiple turnbuckles, mounted punches in the corner. But Vinny picks him up and slams hammer's back into the opposite corner. But hammer charges out with a clothesline, and then Z-Man comes into the ring with a missile dropkick. Morton comes in and is tossed to the rope, slides under zinc, goes for an Akata roll, but Z-Man holds onto the ropes, charging at Richard, ducking a clothesline, before turning and hitting a clothesline of his own to send Morton out to the floor. Zink then follows out with a plancha and hits a hip toss. Back in the ring, Vegas is tagged in, and he wants Hammer, hitting a back suplex and a short arm clothesline for a two count. Hammer, when he enters, he jumps over the top rope. Like, he's got... He's athletic. Yeah. He also just has a crummy gimmick. See, I kind of always true. saw Van Hammer as the WWE's attempt at catching Warrior fans just because mm, of his yeah. size, his that. shaggy hair. Yeah. Uh, they were trying to come up with something They're like, oh, unique hair metal, him. but it's like the end of that, too. <laughs> 92, not 87. Yeah, I mean, Warrior had no great skill level or anything like that. And I mean, Van Hammer Van here Hammer is already didn't... more impressive than Warrior. The The fan in me back then would disagree just because Warrior had the intensity. And oh, Warrior, Warrior definitely has yeah, the, like, the cult of personality more... thing. Whereas Van Hammer is like, oh, well, you know, I feel like Van Hammer can be pulled to a good match. Van where Warrior's going to have a Warrior match. Of kind of like Ryback when he started, where he was yeah. trying to call for the audience to cheer for him instead of giving them something to cheer for. Oh, yeah, Van Hammer's total glory hog. He's just like, look at me. I'm a big hot boy. You should cheer for me. Yeah. It's like, it's like nah. D. Snyder I, from Twisted Sister, just all jacked up. Yeah. Do like Twisted Sister more than I like Van Hammer. Morton with an inverted atomic drop and a snapmare. Vinny with a running bulldog, a gut wrench suplex, and a big boot. Morton with the back suplex for a two count on Hammer. More double teams from Vegas and Morton until Hammer hits a power slam on Richard. Crawls to make a tag, but Morton hits a cheap shot to prevent it. Get him, Ricky. Vinny with a flying shoulder block on Hammer hits a dirty looking vertical suplex. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, big and nasty. Morton starts working the neck with a snap mare and a side headlock, but Vegas tosses Hammer to the ropes, missing a clothesline, and the two collide for a double KO. Oops. Hammer crawls to his corner for the hot tag. And now we get what we all came for. 
Z-Man with the back body drop on Morton. Drop kicks Vinny off the apron. Power slam on Richard for a two count. Richard retaliates with an eye rake. Irish whip, but Zink leaps over the charging Richard and rolls him up with the victory roll for the pin and, and the win. win. In a perfect world, we would have gotten more Z Man. We got a more than Z Man, yeah, exactly. But, you know, Van Hammer, outside of being a glory hog, the things that he does do don't look terrible outside of the, you know, weird botched one botched thing. But it's like those two big guys should not be doing leapfrogs. I mean, Vegas is the one that. Yeah, Vegas sucks here. Is the one that is the worst worker in this match. He can do like the he, the, the big moves he does <laughs> are fine, but like Van Hammer, he, can, he doesn't have the agility that Van Hammer does. No. Yeah, it makes me wonder. You know, as much as you always want more Z-Man and you always want more Rick Martel, what the hell did the world miss out on with the Can-Am connection not? becoming this big For real? global phenomenon because the two of them as a tag team should have been this incredible unstoppable force it just they were ahead of their time i guess very much so booked into the dirt like most good things because that's what i kept watching or kept thinking as i was watching this is z-man is good z-man you know like him but there's just something about him that stands out and immediately all I thought was he's the WCW version of Rick Martel. And then it went, oh shit, they were tag team partners. That totally makes sense. We then go to Tony and Eric, and they're talking about Larry Zabisco becoming the cruncher <laughs> at last year's Halloween <laughs> Havoc. Worst nickname. Hate that Never nickname. putting it over. But, I mean, I get it. But, like, is the cruncher that much better than, like, the hand smasher? <laughs> like, it just sucks. They both, it just sucks. And they throw it to the video of... Wyndham's hand being slammed by that car door. Which feels like it was a year ago. It just honestly feels like we watched that Damn show man. a while ago. <laughs> I mean, it was like seven episodes ago, I think. That's like almost a year. I mean, that's like that's like six months in in uh, these... Uh, real life. Yeah, in these like trade-off... Uh, no, just the trade-off of... Or the real life of oh, yeah. wrestling at the time. So our fifth batch, Larry the Cruncher Zabisco... And stunning Steve Austin with Medusa versus the natural Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham. Jesse, to start things off, Medusa, you can tell she's been going to the gym. Her chest is looking great. <laughs> I know. I was like, all right, Jesse. Wow. <laughs> as the bell rings, Austin and Zabisco attack, but Windham and Rhodes are ready for it as Barry hits a back body drop before throwing the cruncher out to the ramp. Wyndham with Zabisco jumps off the ramp to slam Larry's head into a guardrail while stunning Steve tosses Dustin into the ring, only for Rhodes to float over and start waylaying Austin with right hands, a dusty roll, and one more big right hand to send Steve out to the ramp. Barry then clotheslines Austin back into the ring, where the natural goes for an Irish whip, which is reversed, only for Dustin to reverse a hip toss into a backslide pin attempt for two. Rhodes, with a bionic elbow, goes for a monkey flip, but Stunning Steve tosses him off, comes off the top rope with a double axe handle, but Dustin catches him in the midsection on the way down. Austin rolls out to the ramp to regroup, but Rhodes follows out, tossing Steve back into the ring, where Wyndham hits a dropkick before throwing Austin to his corner because he wants Zabisco. Understandably so. Steve Austin's trunks here look like 
They were just like confetti discount. It looks like uh, like the carpet at like a Discovery Zone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or like a, Very a roller rink. Good comparison. That's <laughs> yeah. totally it's pretty spot great. On. It's like, oh, where did did was this just? Did he just like? They feel like discount trucks. He's not going for anything outside of being a good wrestler. But it's like, oh, like, just not a not the greatest look. And speaking of Austin's gear, is this the first spotting of Austin in a knee brace? Because I don't remember him wearing one in the last couple matches I saw. But I didn't he even. Was wearing, I don't even remember him wearing one here. Yeah, he was wearing like a like an a single white colored one. You know, not the not the typical black steel that he was known for in later years, but this was like a it's some kind I of. I ran down board. to Walgreens and got the the best thing I could find at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is because I don't remember it at any point. So yeah, spinning hmm. heel kick from the cruncher sends Barry out to the ramp. And Larry falls out trying for a pile driver, but Wyndham with a back body drop and a clothesline before tossing Zabisco back into the ring. A flying clothesline from Barry, a DDT. Rhodes comes in to help hit a double back body drop for a two count. Dustin begins to work on Larry's arm as JR tells us about Japan Super Show 2, which we covered two weeks ago, episode 65. Go and check that out. It was a fun episode. <laughs> Zabisco looks to retaliate by slamming Rhodes' head on the turnbuckle, but is blocked and reversed. Wyndham then hits a gut-wrench suplex, going for a pile driver, but Austin comes in with a clothesline. Then the cruncher throws Barry over the ropes to the outside, where Steve continues the attack by slamming his head into a guardrail, followed by Zabisco crotcheting on the rail as well, before a double axe handle off the apron. Back in the ring, Austin with a short arm clothesline, a vertical suplex. Wyndham begins to fight back and goes for a lariat, but stunning Steve ducks, sending Barry back out to the floor. More head slams into the guardrail by Larry, rolling him back in, and continues the attack with a swinging neckbreaker, going for the cover, but Dustin makes the save. Scoop slammed by the cruncher, Austin with a back suplex, a snapmare into a side headlock, but Wyndham escapes with a back suplex of his own. Larry tags in, locks on a sleeper, until Barry breaks it with a jawbreaker. Starts running the ropes, but the two men collide for a double KO. I love this. Jesse Ventura is uh, still messing with JR, <laughs> and uh, he makes a joke because JR does a football thing. They talk about Oklahoma, but he's, JR says that uh, in Oklahoma, the guys take a pay cut to join the NFL. And I thought that was a pretty nasty little blow. Yeah. JR has to fire back at Jesse talking about <laughs> Minnesota not knowing what the a championship is. I can't remember exactly what the words were, but yeah. I wrote down something about the two of them trash JR, talking football. JR definitely uh, fumbles. Honestly, I love Jesse. He fumbles. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he does. But JR and uh, Jesse are not a great fit. No. At all. No. But I'm just glad to have Jesse there. But it's not... They definitely I mean, could have... Maybe uh, they could have... Uh, maybe maybe they go on to be my favorite commentating table of all time. But here, there's not really... There's no glue. There's sandpaper rubbing up against each other. But you have first, moments like this. First time together. Fun. Yeah. Kind of have a few missteps. Yeah. No, it's not. It's by no they, means terrible. They definitely could have used the, uh, the third man in the... The, the, I shouldn't say booth because there's not a booth. I mean, but I don't they, know if I want Tony there. 
I mean, yeah, that's who they would have had. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I don't know if that's a good, that's yeah. a good choice or yeah. not. Just give me Missy Hyatt, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at that point, uh, Jesse Ventura Just would have found a, a way to of even Missy be on the screen. Yeah. And then we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to hear uh, her. Justice. So the real question is of this whole show: Who is Miss WCW? Missy Hyatt or Medusa? Medusa. Medusa. No, Missy Hyatt. She was there first. Uh, that don't matter. I don't matter. Medusa's better looking. <laughs> I love them both, and I wasn't judging them on their looks, Matt. <laughs> if we're gonna go <laughs> baby doll. <laughs> Wyndham falls backward to make the tag to Dustin, who cleans house with an inverted atomic drop and a drop kick on stunning Steve, followed by a snapmare and an elbow drop for a near fall. Clothesline by Rhodes makes the cover, but Zabisco makes the save. Wyndham comes in, punching Larry through the ropes to the rampway, while Dustin tosses Austin to the ropes, going for a body slam, but Steve floats over, attempts an Akata roll, which Rhodes holds onto the ropes, only for Austin to hit a clothesline to turn the natural inside out. It's a really nice little combo there. Yes. Stunning Steve slams Dustin's head into a turnbuckle. The Cruncher with another swinging neckbreaker. Another head slam into a turnbuckle. But Rhodes fires back only to duck his head on an Irish whip and gets caught with a DDT by Zabisco for a two count. Larry then tosses the natural to the ropes only to duck his head, allowing Dustin to kick him in the gut. But he's so out of energy that he just falls back into the ropes where Medusa slaps him, and Rhodes begins to stalk her around ringside and up to the rampway. That's what they want, Dustin. That's what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she got a good slap in there, too. Oh, yeah. Austin then clotheslines Dustin from behind, tossing him back into the ring before hitting a body guillotine for a near fall. Dustin is tossed to the ropes, ducks multiple stunning Steve clotheslines, comes back with a crossbody for a two count. But as soon as Austin is up, he takes Rhodes down with a clothesline. Backbreaker from the cruncher goes for a vertical suplex, but Dustin reverses it into one of his own. Austin's in, cheap shots Barry on the apron before going for a body slam on Rhodes, which he reverses into a small package. But the ref is distracted, getting Wyndham out of the ring. Uh, so only a two count. It's wait, that's is that the visual like three count? Yes. It's like, yeah, it's it's hanging there for a minute. After being Which is warned. good, because of the feud. I mean, like, we've seen the Dustin Austin, and we all just want this to be Dustin Austin. But hopefully we'll get that again. After being worn down, Dustin with the desperation stun gun on Stunning Steve and makes his way to his corner for the... Hot tag! Wyndham's laying out both men with right hands, clothesline on Zabisco, goes for a cover, but Austin breaks up the pin. Fucking Rhodes and Steve brawling on the outside. Barry sets Larry on the top rope and looks to go for the superplex, but the cruncher shoves him off to the mat. Dustin comes in from behind and shoves Zabisco off the top rope as well, while Wyndham goes back up to hit a flying clothesline for the pin and, and the win. This yeah, this was spectacular. This, this is wrestling. Great. Very good match. <laughs> yeah. I like the, the taped hand stuff as well, which was not a huge deal in the match. Actually, if, but it's kind of part. But it's like, is... but it's like, and they did it subtle. They it was there, but it wasn't the like. If it was a singles match, then it would be the whole match. But in this tag team thing, they didn't focus on it in a way that took the match down a peg. But technically, if you think about it, that might actually be the one thing that's wrong about this match. 
is that yeah. it's set up because his hand was smashed or crunched, I guess we should say. I mean, it was six months ago. But that's why they're they're in this feud. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then they don't really do but any... But then the Dustin Austin thing... They don't like, really do any handwork at all. They do a little bit on the outside where he like, takes Small the rollout. Small amounts, but, but they should have built I think that they just, around like, that. I think if you're going to build it up super heavy, then it should just be a singles match. And here they're trying to kill two birds with one stone... And I think they do it well enough. Agreed. That's my like caveat, but I understand what you mean for sure. We go back to the stage where Tony and Eric are, and Eric is wearing a University of Michigan jacket. I wonder who he's rooting for. Eric Bischoff's a bootlicker. <laughs> <laughs> we then go to Missy, who's outside Steamboat's locker room, and there's a ninja guarding the door. Yes, there is. That he does, the ninja does open the door, and we see Ricky doing some kind of ritual with fire. Yeah, there's like candles, and I think he basically takes like the, like flash paper that you would use in like yeah. an old like flame throwing gimmick, and just like drops it over a candle onto like a plate. <laughs> but it looks cool enough. So immediately the ninja closes the door and tells her no interview. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. Her freaking out. Oh my what, god. What was he? What was he meditating? I've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> so Hyatt's walking away when all of a sudden Medusa comes down the corridor and begins to talk to the ninja, wanting to see Steamboat as well, even going as far to offer him sushi. <laughs> you know that uh, ninjas only eat sushi. Quickest way to a man's heart is through his stomach, so, <laughs> you know. When he won't let her pass, Medusa slaps the ninja, who then chases Medusa off. And we're headed to our sixth match. The Steiner Brothers, of Rick and Scott, versus the Enforcer, Arn Anderson, and beautiful Bobby Eaton, with Paul E. Dangerously, for the WCW World Tag Team Championships. So the last time we saw the Tag Team Championships, Steamboat and Rhodes had beaten Arn and Zabisco at Clash 17, episode 61, but Arn and Eaton had won them at a house show about a month before Super Brawl. Yeah, it's just weird. Arn and Bobby Eaton is not something I ever thought I would have seen. No, it's right? two of the best tag team workers. Yeah, yeah. They, they I agree completely. I, I just didn't know. I just couldn't. Yeah, I, I just never knew they'd be next to each other. Yep. And as you see them on the other sides yeah, of like each Shane other. Said, it's like yeah, not the tag team that I ever thought I needed. But it's definitely the tag yeah. team that I want. And that's what's I mean, yeah, I, I want Bobby Eaton all the time. Yeah. That's what's amazing about the Dangerous Alliance just in general is you could draw any of those two names out of a hat of any of the guys in there and you would have a exactly. phenomenal fucking pairing. Tag team, yeah. It's like, oh, this guy's more over, so we'll push him to a title yeah. and then we still have a great tag team yeah. at the same I time. Yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got Rude and Austin that could do stuff together. You've got Arn and Eaton. You've got Arn and... Zabisco, Zabisco and Austin just put on a fucking great match. Exactly. Yep. The announcer then says that Dangerously is barred from ringside and Polly is going crazy before being dragged back to the locker room by officials. But Medusa does come from the back and she will be at ringside now. Yeah, she calms him down. And, you know, Medusa can be helpful. Oh, yeah. She slapped the shit out of Dustin Rhodes ten minutes ago. <laughs> and a ninja. Mm-hmm. JR then tells us you know, he reminds us the Steiners never actually lost the belt, as they had to relinquish them when Scott had to have surgery. They're fighting to get their titles back. Oh, yeah. 
Scott starts us off with a fireman's carry takedown, followed by a double leg pickup slam and a back elbow. But Eaton retaliates with a swinging neckbreaker, goes up top, coming off only for Scott to catch him and deliver an overhead belly to belly, forcing beautiful Bobby to roll to the floor to regroup. Oh, and this is probably the best thing that the best exchange. Ventura and Ross have on the whole show. Uh, I think I have that same thing written down. <laughs> is sure. that Jesse Ventura asks, why is it that Rick Steiner has two different color boots? And JR replies, <laughs> I don't know, but he has another pair at home just like him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is the magic that I need. It's here. It's there. Word for word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's there. I know it's there, but it's doesn't yeah, you it's not all gold, but there's some gold. Yep. They had their, their shining moment right there. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Arn and Rick both tag in once they're back in the ring, and we get a lot of woofing. <laughs> Rick's running the ropes. Double A goes for a leapfrog, but Steiner catches him and delivers a power slam, again causing the alliance to regroup out on the floor. Heel's going to do what heel's going to do. Back and forth arm work from Scott and Anderson. Eaton runs in, grabbing a waist lock as a wrist lock as well only for the Alliance to be double-arm-dragged by Steiner, followed by a double-Steiner line from Rick. Arn throws Scott out to the floor, where Bobby goes for an Irish whip into a double-A chop, but is reversed by Steiner, grabs Anderson, and hits an atomic drop and a clothesline on him. Scott and Eaton end up on the rampway, where Steiner hits a tilt-a-whirl slam and a rubber band slam Mm -hmm. to bring Bobby back into the ring. That tilt a is like super close up. Like the camera guy is just like right there and he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I'm in the, the way. Ouch. Eaton with a body slam of Rick starts climbing the ropes, but Steiner manages to put beautiful Bobby on his shoulders. So Scott comes off the middle rope with a Steiner line. Arn jumps in only to receive a double noggin knocker. Rick tries for a top rope bulldog. But Eaton moves Anderson out of the way and catches Steiner with an atomic drop for a two count. Double A's working over Rick with a snapmare. Double team slams into the turnbuckle. Arm work from Bobby. Close line from the enforcer. Goes for a vertical suplex that is blocked. So Eaton comes in to help. Only for Scott to come in as well, allowing Rick to hit a belly-to-belly on Arn while Scott hits a vertical suplex on beautiful Bobby. Anderson, with another snapmare, comes off the second rope with a double axe handle, but Rick catches him with a Steiner line on the way down. Did we get... I think we passed the spot, but there's a spot where Rick Steiner drops Arn Anderson, and then he just jumps to the floor next to him and looks over at him to taunt him, and it might be the greatest thing I've ever seen in a wrestling match ever. <laughs> it's just like, so it was like, he's just shitty. He's like, yeah, I've got your number, you motherfucker. And it's beautiful. Scott, with a back body drop on double A, hits another vertical suplex, but the enforcer throws Steiner into his corner, where he bumps heads with Eaton to regain control, hitting more elbows, fists, and knee drops. Beautiful Bobby's in with a body slam, goes to the top rope, hitting a knee drop for a near fall. Scott reverses an Irish whip, but ducks his head, allowing Arn to hit a DDT, has Steiner down with multiple covers before going for a pump splash, but Scott catches him with a body scissors, which Anderson then turns over into a Boston Crab, using Eaton's boot on his chest as leverage. That's that's tag team wrestling. Yep. 
And that that uh, head scissors, or that like body scissors into the Boston crab. That was great. Yeah, it's like that's that's the natural thing to do, where it like feels like wrestling as opposed to like performance. So which do you like better, Sabisco's hand to the forehead, or Eaton's boot to the chest as leverage? The hand to the forehead is just so much more funny. <laughs> like when you first like, when you first see it, you're just like, "What are they doing?" Yeah, they're like, yeah, "I get it. Sense. It makes it make sense." But it's always just, yeah, it just it looks better. The other one looks, or it looks, it's more funny. Like the chest boot thing is like less personal because it's like your chest and a shoe. But the hand on someone's face is just like weird enough to make it funny. <laughs> Beautiful Bobby continues the attack with an elbow drop, locks on a camel clutch where Scott is trying to crawl his way to his corner. But Eaton leaps off of Steiner's back to forearm Rick, then throws Scott out to the rampway, where Double A hits a backbreaker, and then a beautiful Bobby rocket launcher to splash onto Scott. A botchet launcher? <laughs> he, like, the rocket launcher, he, like, goes to do it, and is like, oh, I guess he's not ready yet, and then he just kind of, like, runs his hand underneath him, and he just jumps <laughs> It's like the, the the like one bummer of the whole match, and it's fine because it's not the finish. Steiner rolls off the rampway, so Eaton slams his head into the guardrail. Goes for another one, but Scott fights back by blocking and returning the favor, followed by another head slam into the rampway before everyone is rolled back in. The enforcer tries for a head slam into a turnbuckle, but Scott blocks and reverses it, crawls to his corner for the hot tag. I love it when Rick gets the hot tag. Rick's into clean house. Steiner lines on both Alliance members. Sets Eaton on the turnbuckle for a superplex. But Anderson comes from underneath to put Steiner on his shoulders. Allowing beautiful Bobby to come off the top with a crossbody. But Rick reverses it into a power slam for a two count. I know. like the Come on. No one else is going to do that, right? Steiner brothers not are going to do many, that. Not too many people are going to do that. Steiner is Irish whipped to the corner by Arn, gets a big boot up, leaps up to the ropes to hit a bulldog on Anderson, makes the cover, but Eaton makes the save. Scott then jumps in to brawl with Bobby while Medusa hands powder to Double A, who throws it into Rick's eyes. Steiner, stumbling around, ends up suplexing Randy Anderson, the ref, by accident. So you're telling me we're going to get this match again? Scott with mounted punches on Eaton. Rick back body drops Arn out to the floor. Scott with the tiger driver on beautiful Bobby as a new ref jumps into the ring before hitting a Frankensteiner for the the pin and And the win. win. And new! Wait. Screech. Record scratch. Record scratch. (laughs) (laughs) Car hitting brakes. Hitting a car. <laughs> Nick Patrick runs down to the ring, is having a conference with the other refs, goes over to JR to let him know what the decision is. Steiners have been disqualified for hitting the ref. Boo. He couldn't see what he was doing. Rick wouldn't do that. Not on purpose, at least. No, of course not. Damn it, Nick Patrick. So no <laughs> new champions. Uh, yeah. Boo. It almost feels like Nick Patrick's the heel here. <laughs> He's the I mean, real heel. Arn through the powder. It went to the desired area. This match was really good, though. Oh, yeah. It's, it's great. 
Love it. But I love Steiner. Steiner matches are the best. I mean, yes. like we've noticed, ninety nine or no, basically nineteen ninety is kind of where it starts. But like ninety one, ninety two, Steiner's like if ninety three is as good as this has been, then like they're the best tag team of all time. Yeah. As far as like I guess power moves, because they're not doing matches quite like you know the midnight or whatever. It's a different style, a different but style. they but they still you know they still get the hot tags that they need and want. And you give me a successful Frankensteiner and I'm happy <laughs> yeah. anytime. We then see an ad for Wrestle War 1992 before we go to Missy in the back and she she sees Steamboat and the ninja walk past her and she says they look very serious. Steamboat does look very serious. I'm surprised that she didn't try to talk to him. She just like lets him walk right by. Tony and Eric on their stage discuss the next match and they tell us that Dangerously is barred from the ringside for this match as well. Piss real quick. So we're off to our eighth match. Ravishing Rick Rude versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat with the Ninja for the WCW United States Championship. And have we seen the Ninja before or is this the first time we've seen the Ninja? Because I was kind of curious about I it. I looked... And I could not find any information about the ninja if he had like been coming out with Ricky for a little bit or yeah. something. I couldn't if find. He was anything. like a, a weekly show thing. Yeah, I mean that's what I assumed, but I don't know yeah. for certain. But the champion comes out first. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna swap belts from Rick to Rick, like there's no flair in this company, so you know. Why not Rick with the Y? (laughs) Rude takes the mic and wants some quiet while he does his strip tease, but it takes quite some time as the crowd is hot. (laughs) Yeah, they don't want to give him a moment. Steamboat comes out with some dragon scale tights. Did you not love the dragon scale tights? Oh, I love the dragon scale tights. Did he not wear those when he had the big dumb head? No, or was it? I don't think so. I wasn't sure if I'd seen them before, but the dragon scale tights look incredible. I want to say I remember him wearing something with Dragon Scale, but I can't remember. I think it was actually the WWF show where he had the green tights. But I think he was wearing white whenever Hillman Dustin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, you're right. When he had that really bizarre rubber mask. Yeah, the Dragon Scale looks great. I wish that he had this gear his whole career because it's great. The two men tumble around the ring to start until multiple arm drags and a double chokehold followed by a face plant for a two count. Ninja cam. Ricky with some arm work, a hook kick, slams the arm against the ring post multiple times. More arm drags, but Rude fights back, getting the dragon back to a corner. And Ricky is, like, hot. Like, he's not not acting as the baby face. No. He's, he's like, this is, he's got some grudge match blood feud stuff going on. He's slamming his arm into the post immediately, and he's got the, you know, the curiosity that we want out of the, the, that comes with the best steamboat matches a la wrestlemania 3 steamboat then kicks the arm to regain control ricky hits a hammerlock body slam again rude starts the fight back sending the dragon to the ropes but misses a back elbow which steamboat comes back with a crossbody and another arm drag ricky tosses the ravishing one to the ropes misses a clothesline and rude comes back with a crossbody the Ravishing One stomps Steamboat out to the floor, rubber bands slamming him across the guardrail before bringing him back into the ring 
with a vertical suplex. The dragon's trying to fight back, but Rude hits multiple clotheslines to stop the momentum, followed by some dancing, another rubber band slam, a swinging neckbreaker, and a pile driver for a near fall. The Ravishing One reverses a side headlock into a back suplex, hits a snapmare, but Ricky comes back with a knee breaker and locks on a figure four, only for Rude to make it to the ropes to break the hold. Steamboat pulls him off the ropes, attempts the submission again, only for the Ravishing One to kick him off into a turnbuckle, followed by a clothesline. Rude then comes off the top rope with an axe handle to the head, starts to pose, but his arm is still hurting from the damage. Yeah, I like all of uh, Rick Rude's selling of the arm. is pretty consistent. He then hits a snapmare and goes back to the top to hit another axe handle, followed by a clothesline for a two count. The Ravishing One continues to dominate by wearing the dragon down with clubbing forearms and a camel clutch. But Ricky gets to his feet with Rude on his shoulders to hit an electric chair slam. The two are trading blows until they collide into each other for a double KO. The Ravishing One's up first, locks on a sleeper, climbing onto Steamboat's back, which takes Ricky down to the mat. But the dragon fires up to lock on a sleeper of his own but Rude escapes with a jawbreaker. The Ravishing One goes back to the top, but Steamboat kicks his legs out from under him, causing Rude to crotch himself. Ricky then climbs up, hits a superplex for the pin, and the no, Rude kicks out. Dragon hits multiple clotheslines, and Inseguri does some dancing of his own, a back body drop, a seated clothesline, and a flapjack before headed to the top rope. And there is so much ninja cam throughout this <laughs> that you start to wonder there's a, one of my favorites is there's a ninja cam spot where the ninja like is kind of more casual and he like sees the camera and then ducks his head and gets more stoic again very funny ricky then comes off the top rope with a karate chop to the head steamboat decides one more will do the job but when he gets to the corner the ninja jumps up on the apron Ooh. Hits him with a Zach Morris-style cell phone multiple it's like, times. It's like eight pounds. Rude then makes the cover for the pin. And, and the win. win. Who was that ninja? Fucking crazy. What kind, of, what kind of ninja carries a cell phone? A yuppie-ass ninja? Yuppie ninjas. <laughs> yuppie ninjas must die. <laughs> Tony and Eric recap the match with Bischoff saying, A snake is most deadly when you think it's dead. And I think Paul E. just proved that. And Tony's like, we don't know that was dangerously. <laughs> what I we never saw him without the mask. What I find really funny about this show, a bit of a sidebar, is Tony and Bischoff swap heel and face. Like, which is, I think is really funny because it's like, oh, like they're picking their favorites. And most time you'd have your like heel guy and your face guy. But they like swap constantly, like who they're behind, and I thought that that was a cool dynamic that I appreciated, considering it's Tony and Eric. What am I really going to get out of this? So at least there's that. <laughs> we then see Missy in the back, and she walks into Rude's locker room, and you can see dangerously in the ninja outfit, and the Alliance chaser. Oh yeah, he's got the mask off, and you can see like the. The eyeliner. Ninja. <laughs> that was a pretty good Missy. Eric Bischoff was right all along. Uh, how many times do we have to say that? 
<laughs> I mean, we, as many times as you get to say it, you get to say the opposite. We then go to Jr. and Jesse at ringside, and Ross says, I told you that was Paul E. And Venturis, I'll give you credit, Jim. You were brilliant, but so was Dangerously, wasn't he? <laughs> Good on you, Jesse. So we're off to our ninth match. Sting versus Lex Luger with Harley Race for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Stinger and Lex standing toe-to-toe in the middle of the ring, trash-talking each other. Or maybe they were just asking each other where they were going to go get their meal after the show. Yeah, yeah. Who's got the coldest beer in town? One thing is Stinger comes out of a smoking box. Yes. It's weird. Maybe he's just bringing back memories of all those boxes that <laughs> the, the Dangerous Alliance kept sending yeah, him. Yeah, maybe. But he like it's smoking, and there's light, and he comes out of the top, and then there's like stairs attached to oh, it, man. and he like walks down, and there's like Lex. sparklers shooting off. It's quite the grand entrance. Lex sent him some boxes too, though, didn't he? Yeah, Lex. Lex sent Lex the Lex sent the most dangerous one because yeah. it took his knee out. Yeah, yeah, and then when Lex comes out, I'm like, oh well, they didn't really give the champion that good of a introduction, even though he is a heel. But they have giant letters spelling out his name, like huge, huge letters uh, across the the back of the stage, and there's like lights going over him. Still something, but you know, he didn't come out of a box. And as Jim Cornette always says, if a guy comes out of a box, he's instantly over. And I just have to say, as much as they tried to broadcast it over and over and over again, Lex Luger, 290-something pounds, uh, I don't see that. He's huge. I mean, he's big, but he's not 290 pounds. I mean, pounds would you think big. Ric Flair's 240 pounds? <laughs> no. I mean, no. Fair enough. <laughs> like, How tall was Ric Flair, even? Like... Like, I'm trying to remember how much Six Brian foot. Pillman was yeah. just at. Pillman was under 210. Yeah. Yeah, but and Pillman's see, also like 5'10. Bigger than yeah. Pillman. So, yeah. That was just the floating the scales, as far as I'm concerned, because they were trying to make the comment that I'd swear he's over 300 pounds. And I'm like, no, he's not. It's he's... like, no, JYD's over 300 pounds, <laughs> but we can tell. <laughs> he's like 30 pounds heavier than Pillman, maybe. Sting and Luger start shoving each other. They lock up into the corner, but the ref breaks it up. Lex gains control with a knee lift, several strikes, and slams Sting's head into a turnbuckle, sending the Stinger to the opposite corner and charging in, only for Sting to move out of the way, grab Luger for an Irish whip, followed by a Stinger splash. But Lex no-sells it and charges out with a clothesline. Stinger splash nice and early. Luger, with a power slam, picks up Sting for the torture rack, but the Stinger rolls out of it and hits a German suplex before lifting Lex into a torture rack of his own, but Luger is able to escape. That's how you start a heavyweight title match. Come on. Also, Luger's face at the beginning when they're talking shit, he just looks just so bitter. It's great. I mean, they've been throwing shade at him all night long. (laughs) Lex sends Sting to the ropes, ducks his head, allowing himself to be planted with a jumping DDT, and Luger rolls out to the floor. Harley jumps on the apron to distract the Stinger, allowing Lex to recover and drags Sting out to the floor, where he tries to ram his head into the guardrail, only for the Stinger to block and reverse. Back in the ring, Sting begins to choke Luger in a corner, 
hits a back body drop, locks on the Scorpion Deathlock, but Lex makes it to the ropes to break the hold. Luger with a poke of the eyes, multiple striking blows. Stinger fires back with a choke, only to be low-blowed by Lex. Luger with an inverted atomic drop, a gorilla press slam, and hits the attitude adjustment. Makes the cover for the pin, and no! Sting kicks out. Lex continues the attack with several elbow drops, strikes, but the Stinger starts firing back with massive blows of his own. Proving that if you have a good attitude, there's nothing to adjust. Hits a face plant, rubs Luger's face into the mat, and then hits a rubber band slam. Multiple back rakes, and Sting goes for a crossbody. I love a back rake, and it was nice to see Sting do one. Even though, like, it's unnecessary. Yeah. But I thought it was fun. Lex ducks the crossbody, and the Stinger flies over the ropes to the floor. Luger then follows out and rams his head into the guardrail followed by Harley going for a pile driver, only for Sting to back body drop Race to escape. But Race is going to be all right because he has the thickest green corduroy blazer that he's had since 1972. Brace's fall. Sting then climbs to the top rope, connects with a flying crossbody for the pin, and, and the win. Another surprise finish. And new! I was that was a whole lot faster of an ending than I was expecting. Yeah, me too. When they said sixty hour time limit, I was like, Well, it's not flair, they're not gonna go forty, but maybe twenty. And this was like what, twelve? It was about thirteen. Really? I love the camera kinda like sweeps around to the crowd and there's like the Hesher guy and his friend in a public enemy t shirt. And I'm like, <laughs> Hell yeah, these guys rule. JR and Jesse then recap the match and the evening before saying their goodbyes. Ventura even says that his first challenger might even be Luger. I can guarantee it won't be him. No, I mean, Luger is already on an airplane back home. Uh, like, his, he was, his face was so bitter at the beginning. I was like, well, it's finally Sting's turn. As this would be Lex's last match in WCW for a few years as he heads off to the World Bodybuilding Federation. Oh, Wait a minute, there's no, no money, money in bodybuilding. Body <laughs> <laughs> Credits roll. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, hmm, I didn't know that about Lex, but when you said that earlier, I was like, well, is that a shot at Lex or Van Hammer? Because they obviously both came from the same place. That was a, a slight dig at Lex, but more mm. of a dig at McMahon because of the whole I, bodybuilding federation. I could pro, baby. So a fun fact... WCW had fired Jim Hurd, the executive vice president that we saw at various shows, at the end of 1991. They were like, Starcade sucked. Sure did. <laughs> You're done. And they hired a gentleman named Kip Frey. Never heard that name. I know Jim Hurd. All wrestling fans know the name Jim Hurd. Yeah. So Frey would actually reward good wrestling by giving a bonus to the best match of the night. No wonder this show uh, rocks mad ass. <laughs> but he would also decide to spend more money overall. Yeah. Which will come into effect later on down the road. Oh, okay. But Too many dragon masks. Basically. But the decision to reward <laughs> for best match of the night. 
provoked a sudden rush of work rate. Oh, we need that. That would had I never like been that. seen before. Uh, I mean, come on. We actually got a decent Vinny Vegas match, guys. Yeah. There's not a there's not an awful match on the show. Uh, one thing I want to say about this last match is like that crossbody, like yeah, surprising finish looks pretty good, but the slow-mo of the crossbody and like Sting's like eagerness to like wrap the leg for the for the pin attempt, the slow-mo cut is like perfect. It looks it's it just looks like it should be illustrated for a like book about like how to wrestle. It's great. And I didn't notice it and like I was like, yeah, that was okay, but I think I was just kind of caught off guard by it being the finish. But when they showed that slow-mo, I was like, oh, that was poetry in motion. So I asked you guys, what are your overall thoughts of Super Brawl 2? And I'll go to Michael first this week. I said it once and I'll say it again. This show rocks mad ass. Mad ass. <laughs> yes. How about you, Shane? Or, or, do you want, or do you want to elaborate? Any we'll we'll get there. I know we're going to get there. Okay. Shane, what about your overall thoughts? Uh, I... I... I second that. <laughs> mad ass. I, I may not happened. have used the the term "rocks mad ass" just on my own, but now that it's out there in the uh, in the atmosphere, yeah, this show definitely rocks a mad ass. Uh, <laughs> Is that a new T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you start a show with Pillman and and Liger, Liger, and you can't go wrong. You throw in the Dangerous Alliance mixed over three or four different matches. Um, sign me the fuck up. You've got Lex Luger taking a break from wrestling. I'm on board with that. (laughs) 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 But Um, I know Matt's a a Luger guy. I like Luger, but he definitely quit showing any enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Pretty after he became champion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was uh, he lost. For lack of a better word, he lost. Maybe he was watching the other channel and was like, "Oh, well, I can just get away with this." So, (laughs) make sure you hear my words correctly. Uh I think this is a very good show. It has a great opener. Yeah. A couple of really hot tag matches. Mm -hmm. And a couple of above average title matches. But there are bits of overbooking on the show. Yeah, totally. And I do wish the matches had been sequenced differently. Yeah, but... I'm saying that it's one one of the most consistent WCW shows we've watched as far as like entertainment and match quality. It doesn't have the best matches we've seen, but none of them suck. And it's that's why it's like my favorite shows aren't always the best the shows with the best matches, they're the shows that were the most entertaining throughout. That's kind of where I'm coming from with it. Agreed, completely. Yeah. My opinion, if you just break up, because there was three tag I matches, hate, three tag matches in a row. I hate yeah. tag matches in and a row. And so there's a lot of the same kind of spots in those three matches back to back to back. Yeah. Literally, you change that up just a couple little bits, and this becomes a great show. Because yep. I'm like, you still start off with Liger and Pillman. Like, definitely. Yeah. But oh, you don't mean Big Josh and Diamond Dallas Page? That was the dark match. Nobody, <laughs> yeah. nobody wants that. But move. let's move the Vegas-Morton-Hammer-Z-Man match to the second match. I'm saying, yeah. It like, was still a good match. Yeah. 
But and you can't you, do three singles and then three tags in a row. Exactly. You then, you know, follow back up. Let's let's move Ron Simmons and, and Cactus Jack. It's still hot. Yeah, let's it's move good. It there. The match that I feel like you move farther back is actually the Bagwell Taylor made man match. Definitely. Because it kind of gives you a little bit of a breather yeah. in between those two dangerous alliance. Also, tag it, matches. it ma- automatically makes Bagwell the new guy like look more, look, important. Look, look more important. And Terrence Taylor is Terrence Taylor. He's been here. Like, and I might've even moved the Steiners to the semi main instead, even with it being a dusty finish. I mean, the tag belts and the Steiners are so over that, honestly, I think that makes complete sense. Although, I love the Rude Steamboat match. But see, that's but the other thing. I also have, love the Anderson-Steiners like, match, so I'm it's talking, kind of like a push. It's like, that's well, what I'm talking about, yeah. the overbooking. Yeah. You literally have... It's like, oh, ice cream and cake. It's like, well, just instead of one, how about a little bit of both? From the... Yeah, the Steiner brothers with the weird finish yeah. that we had, you know, the ref bump. Basically, yeah. you then have Rude and Steamboat with the ninja mm-hmm. causing the, the win. Yeah. And then you have a kind of a lackluster... Quick win. Quick win out of nowhere with Sting. So the ending of the show, it's good. Hear me. I think this is the second best WCW show we have watched. Yeah, it's after, definitely after um, Great American Bash '89 because that yeah. that show's yeah. gonna be up there. It's definitely for a long time, it's definitely probably. like top three, easily. But literally, just changing of those things just a little bit, yeah, a little bit less overbooked. Giving Sting a win with his own move would be good, but like even like Luger, who's leaving at the moment, is still probably not super willing to tap. Tapping and getting pinned are just, like, different things. And, like, tapping to somebody seems so much more detrimental. And, see, I'd be even okay with, like, a... Uh, That's why I think that the crossbody... A small package finish, but just a, a crossbody, there was no... I think it would have almost made more sense if Luger had, Luger had done the crossbody and they had done the oh, momentum, the roll, yeah. momentum roll-through yeah. for yeah. the pin. I'd be okay totally with that. Okay and with that. the only reason I'm like, eh. Because, like, when I first saw the crossbody, I was like, all right. And I was like... Taking yeah. it back, but that slow mo. I mean, the Watch only slow mo like the ten only times. Thing it's beautiful. That I'm not mad about the crossbody is that he had already done the stinger splash, he had already done the scorpion deathlock. Yeah. So, to not spam finishers, basically, let's go to something else. I mean, so it's also one of those things like Lex probably wasn't like, "Hey, you're not tapping me." He knows he's not done with wrestling, but he's done right now. Because if he was completely done with wrestling, he probably would have just been like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go make bodybuilding money." Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So best moments of the night. The entire 17 minutes of Pillman and Liger. Yeah, yeah we can just sum it up in the Liger and or Pillman uh, raising Liger's hand in the middle of the ring. We're like, ah. The only thing that made me feel better than all 17 minutes of that was the uh, like mutual respect. <laughs> I mean, I love that one. I love the... The entire Austin Zabisco, Justin Rhodes, Wyndham, yeah. yeah, that one was Honest. incredible. I, I'm actually, a big I, fan of the arm work in the uh, in the like. I don't think we put it over well enough, but I think the arm work in the U.S. Heavy match was great. 
Yeah, Steamboat like, working over Rude's arm and, yeah, Rude, and, and Rude's Rude sells selling it, it consistently. And whenever he doesn't do, like he'll do his clotheslines, but he still he's sells doing it with the opposite arm. Yeah, and when he he screws up a couple times and uses the the hurt arm and, and sells, sells it, it yeah. yeah, and it's like it's that's actually it's great. Now that you're, that is probably the best moment because it's just like yeah, someone's actually ring psychology thinking yeah. it through. And then every time he does come back with the right arm, it's because he's like in the moment and he's like trying to fire up because he doesn't want to lose his title. It all makes sense, and it's maybe the second best match, best second best singles match, because it means it means something more than like the some of the tag matches. Oh yeah, definitely. Because they're like it's like oh it's it's Rick fucking rude and it's Ricky Steamboat like Arn and Eaton. We love them, but they're a new tag team. Yeah, I'd put they're not the, as established as like the Steiner brothers. I'd put Rick and Ricky above Arn and, and uh, Eaton versus the Steiners. But I mean, the whole thing is, like I said, it's all yeah, it's all part of the the same the same wonderful pizza that is this show. It's like oh, it's all good. How about disappointing? It's kind of sucks to watch a pay per view with fuck finishes, but. Yeah. Yes. That but I mean, if they're doing a work rate thing and they're really trying to like kind of overhaul the it, and you're gonna get stuff like this, like I want to watch part two, like the second encounter of these matches that ended with the bum finishes. Like I'd like to see them continue it. I don't not want to see them do it again, as long as they bring something new to it and the people that had those matches with finishes like that could obviously are obviously capable of having a second match that is like different and compelling built off of what had happened. Yeah. But I have no trust that it will happen. I got a question. What we all th- what was the worst match on the show? I guess Jack Ron, but I liked it. Yeah, Sam torn between that one liked... and the the Vinny Vegas Richard Morton. Yeah, and that was still way too good. Like Van- I think I was impressed by Van Hammer. He was asking for too much from the crowd, but he was, if he wasn't doing that, he was giving enough to earn cheers. And see, I'm at stuck with my old school thoughts of Van Hammer. I hated him from the, the start. He just never quite oh. got through the way I think they wanted him to, or maybe he possibly should have. He definitely, I don't know, should have, but like, just, I was surprised at some of his ability. He makes me think of that Tom McGee match yeah. that everybody always talked about. And then we finally got to see, and there's like a couple matches you can watch, and it's like, oh, this guy has the physical ability, but he's like just not a wrestler. Yeah. And then that's kind of how I feel about Van Hammer. It's like, oh yeah, he's got like Eaton and Anderson and like to to work with, so he has those moments where he looks incredible, but he didn't do that on his own. Say most disappointing. Also, I had no Johnny B. Bad. I was oh. looking forward to talking about oh, some Johnny wow. B. Bad. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, really. Did they just swap Rude for B. Bad? No, they... Why Rude? I mean, because, no, I, I don't know, that... they're both body guys and I read that Van Hammer and oh, Z-Man both... were a last-minute replacement for a weird Actually, combination. Actually, I, I think it was supposed to just be Van Hammer versus Morton, I think is what the original match oh, was supposed to be. We don't need that. Oh, was it? And then they added that Z-Man in bad. Vegas. To... Well, see, I had originally read that it was Johnny B. Bad and Mr. Hughes that were supposed to be going against uh, uh, Morton and 
Vegas. Yeah. I think we, maybe we got something battle better the, than that. Battle the like, suspenders. Yeah, I like I love John to be bad, but um, I think what we got is probably better than what that would Definitely. have been. Yeah. Actually, on the worst, I'm gonna blow your mind a little bit, but I think the main event was actually my least favorite match on yeah. the show. Really? And a lot like of it, Lester. a lot of it is just because Luger just does not show any effort, and he no. is literally showing up to. Do the job to do the job, which yeah. I commend him for he, doing. He that. doesn't do the job poorly, but he's also not actually, fighting I, for his title. Actually, I feel like he does do it poorly because literally because he's he, not fighting for his he title. He takes that crossbody. He he lays there for three seconds. He stands right up. Yep. Oh yeah, I guess I didn't disrespect catch it on the camera. The just disrespects the just belt walks and walks out. Yeah. But then I mean they did a smart thing by not really. I, for me, not noticing that is a good thing, and I think that's why that's probably why they put the camera on Jr. the whole time. That's okay. That makes sense because as soon as that happens, they hold the camera on Jr. and Jesse talking for a while, and like I'm like, well, I want to see Sting, you know, do well, his thing. That's the, the, and that's that makes thing. okay. Well, because fuck I, you, Luger. If you look at Sting's face right after, you can see Sting. He looks kind of pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel Sting like, looks kind of pissed the whole night, and that <laughs> takes away from him. Winning the like he he doesn't even feel like he's happy that he won. No, the no, there is a, it is a really weird vibe at the end once he wins, and I guess that's what it was because I didn't see Luger pop up. But now that you say that, I'm like, oh, this is a really weird shot to have. Like, why is the camera not yeah. on Sting and everybody cheering him, and it's just on these guys? And it's because they don't want the camera to catch Luger just walking away yeah. when that's not what he should be doing. Thanks, best friend. Yeah, for real. Oh, well, I appreciate. <laughs> Bring that to light because I thought I was like this show ends really awkwardly, and it should be a big moment for Sting, and Luger taking it away. Fuck you. How about best performer of the night? Hillman Liger tied. Yeah. yeah, you can do that. I mean, like a lot of these guys could just like. You I know, mean, a lot go. of these guys over over performed yeah. what our expectations of them are. A lot of yeah. Them did. So I mean, I would say that yeah. yeah, Liger, Liger, Pillman. I mean, they they set the. The pace, let's the just tone, say everything that match has gone on the short list. Yeah, of best matches that we've watched for me. It's yeah, Liger Pillman and like Rudin Steamboat, and then the it's, it's tough, but I guess those are my two favorite matches, and that's hard to say because the tag matches, like I said, the weird thing about the tag matches is that they're mostly new team ups, or mm-hmm. like so they don't feel established, so like. Steiners is the only like established tag team here. Not that the other guys aren't established wrestlers or established in previous tag teams. So it's just kind of like, you know, I'm getting, feeling it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As opposed to being like, yeah. oh, like, here we go. What about old Barry What's-His-Nuts? Maybe he could be our... Barry Abrams. Barry Abrams? Maybe he could be our performer of the night, standing up there in his tuxedo I jacket mean, he, and boxing he shorts. he rocked those boxing shorts. Uh, okay, <laughs> so... Worst outfit of the night, JYD, Barry, Barry Abrams, Abrams. <laughs> Vinny Vegas, or Harley Race. All oh, you can't, you can't hate on the green corduroy jacket, Dude. bro. You can't do I mean, it. it's, it's, the, thing, the thing that's charming about it is that it's Harley Race, and he's just probably super cheap. And he's like, yo, this is my one suit jacket. You know, at home, he just probably wears like a, like a white tank top with like beer stains on it, like tucked into blue jeans with a belt on. I'm going JYD. Because the top looked 90, the bottom, bottom looked zero. Little, yeah. But that was 90s fashion, man. <laughs> that was just JYD being like, <laughs> I bought the wrong size of dress pants. They're not, they don't fit the same. Yeah. But JYD did look better, like, physically. 
he wasn't as like you know chubby and uh and uh like bloated as he had been in previous outings <laughs> still still a big boy but you know he's always going to be a big boy so how about surprising on this show jyd i was surprised for that i mean honestly I mean, jyd showing up was a surprise ron simmons and a benny vegas and decent match <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm saying ready, it was yeah. decent because of well, him. I'm just saying that are, he was in a match. Are we going to get decent. Ron Simmons and Junkyard Dog versus Abby and Cactus Jack? Because I kind of want that. I'm sure it probably happens. I don't, don't know if it's on a pay per view. I think that I want that. Uh, surprising Jesse the Body being there. Yeah, I, that, I, yeah, I totally wasn't yeah. expecting that. That, yeah. that was a big surprise. Unfortunately, I can't give him performer of the night, but they just, you know, they didn't jail um, yet. Taylor made. Making me actually want to watch him. He grew on me during the uh, the York Foundation days. Yeah. But then just him by himself, I actually found myself wanting to see more of him in this character. I know I can't remember how long exactly the the Taylor Made character goes on, but he he finally looked like a wrestler, felt like a wrestler, acted like a wrestler, and somebody that I wanted to see win or in the lose. the top tier finally instead of. Just being That's stuck as the red rooster. Kind of a thing with like I was like, oh, I missed the York Foundation. But the York Foundation is a gimmick, uh, the same gimmick for everybody. So like nobody really gets over. They're just kind of like this big card computer thing. And like the gimmick is Alexandra York and the computer and everybody going by like their full names. Yep. Which is cool, but you can't break out of that. No. So like in hindsight, I get it. But, you know, maybe I just have a crush on Miss York. Who doesn't? And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Harley Race had returned from Japan as the MWA World's Heavyweight Champion and continued to defend it across the country on a regular basis. Race would make his way to Georgia Championship Wrestling in April 1981 where their top star at the time, Tommy Wildfire Rich, would challenge for the belt on April 17th in Augusta, Georgia. Rich would win in an upset heard around the world after a Thez press. Tommy Rich, born 1956 in Henderson, Tennessee, would make his professional debut in 1974 after training with Jerry Jarrett. Rich would alternate his time between the regional territories of the South, having feuds with every major heel, including Ivan Koloff and Ole Anderson. For his accomplishments, Rich is an NWA Hall of Famer. After winning the title, Tommy Rich would defend it every day for the next week, when on April 23rd, Harley Race would win the title back to become a six-time champion. To this day, the title change is still one of the greatest mysteries in wrestling history, but it did prove that on any day, anyone could win. Got to keep the audience honest. So he won the belt, defended it for a week straight, and then lost it right back? Yes. So, like... Harley Race was like, I have to get home. My wife's going to divorce me (laughs) because I'm going to miss my daughter's second birthday. And he got his green blazer and got on a goddamn airplane (laughs) because he didn't want to lose his family. WCW had... Because that's wrestling. ...television shows that aired on, like, Saturday morning, Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day. He won the belt and lost the belt before those shows aired. Oh. But there is a 
interview out there, like a lost interview, where he actually is shown wearing the belt, but he had technically already lost it <laughs> when that interview airs. Lovely. <laughs> Next week, WrestleMania 8. Oh, hell yeah. I'm ready. Uh, I'm always ready for a WrestleMania. Unless they want to pull names out of a fishbowl, I'm down. WWF doesn't really pull those kind of gimmicks. So yeah, and they shouldn't. They should so have think we'll 20 okay. matches that are all six minutes long. Well, let's not hope 20 matches. I don't want 20 matches either, but you know what I mean. I'm always good with like seven matches at like well, seven, 10 to yeah. 15 minutes each. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the sweet spot. I mean, Super Brawl kind of nailed it with like, what, eight? Nine matches. Is it nine? Yeah. Most of them went about the 12 to 15 minute range. A couple went under they're trying to get that. Minutes. They're trying to get that work rate money. That's right. I wonder if it was a committee that voted. Whatever it was, the prize it worked, money. and I hope that. They, oh uh, my God! Yes. I hope it continues uh, for that, quite some yeah, time. Yeah. yeah, me too. Music from this week's show is "Rocket" by Tom Blades, and Sting's "The Champion." So we play his music. Turbo Charge. I mean, even Sting's song is. Not that good. No. To your point about WCW music. Sting's music always reminded me of a poor man's version of the Ultimate Warriors theme. That's exactly, <laughs> what, exactly, it exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. Which is a shame because Sting over so Warrior for me. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always hit us up on our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter, where we're tweeting out hot takes all the time. Not really, just every once in a while. They're not that hot. I mean... They're very a, lukewarm. There's enough people that that, fall, that feel, feel you on the Owen page. But if you have any reason to reach out, just do so. Because we'll answer back pretty quickly. We're pretty good at that. And you can always find that at Wrestling WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week.